Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Well, hello and welcome back to Riverside Online. Today we're going to continue with our series, I Am, looking at the statements that Jesus made about himself in John's Gospel. And today we're looking at the statement that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So let's begin by reading from John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 11. These are the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, not many of us have much experience of sheep and shepherding. But back in 1976, shepherds and sheep were big TV viewing. Some of you may be old enough to remember a series called One Man and His Dog. And this was a program about sheepdog trialling. And it was primetime viewing. It used to air and get about 8 million viewers a week. And it was so successful, it ran for 23 years. And uh, just to give you an idea, this got the same sort of viewing figures as Strictly Come Dancing does today. So it's massively successful. And I may be keen to have a look. So let's have a quick look at uh, a video now from way back in 1976 when, um, when this is Johnny Wilson and his lovely Border Collie Spot doing some sheepdog trialling on one man and his dog. Right through the cross drive gates. That must be a good direction, a good outrun. Have to go round the ring of trees there. Be interesting to see whether that puts him off when the sheep are out of sight. But he's still going well. Collie in full flight. Right to the back of the sheep. That must be a good outrun. Indeed, 20 scored. Full marks to Johnny. First start. Moss takes the command to come on on the lift. A good lift, yes, he gets 10 for the lift too. Two maximums to start with. That can't be bad. Good dog. Beautiful condition. So you got a glimpse there of TV entertainment from the 1970s, and I think you'll see that we were easily pleased back then. And those amazing skills that were shown by, by John and his, his sheepdog, uh, that style is very different to the style of shepherding that Jesus' uh, listeners would have been used to back in the Middle East. The arid hill country around uh, Jerusalem was very difficult for for grass to grow and so where any pockets of moisture were that's where grass would spring up and very different to those green fields you saw there in one man and his dog and rather than a shepherd herding the sheep from pasture like that the shepherd would have to lead the sheep to find grazing on, on a sort of almost daily basis and so and so the shepherd would need to lead the sheep and the sheep would associate 
the shepherd with positive experiences. They would associate the shepherd with food and with water and with protection. If you follow the shepherd, these good things come. And so rather than driving the sheep, the shepherd would lead the sheep in Jesus' time. So the shepherd was good for the sheep, but Jesus says in this story that there are other types of people who are also shepherds, but they're not good for the sheep. He calls these people hired hands in this, in this uh, part of John's Gospel. What's the difference between a hired hand and, and Jesus being the good shepherd? Well, we can make these contrasts from this passage. As we look at verses 6 to 11, we can see the hired hand doesn't own the sheep, but the good shepherd the sheep are his. The hired hand abandons the sheep, but the good shepherd never leaves the sheep. The hired hand leaves the sheep open to attack, but the good shepherd always protects the sheep. And the hired hand doesn't care for the sheep, but the good shepherd is prepared to care for them to the point of laying down his life. And the hired hand doesn't know the sheep, but the good shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep trust him. And what's interesting about the way Jesus describes this and uses these metaphors of sheep and shepherds is that the hired hand would still be a shepherd, but Jesus identifies him as not being a good shepherd. He wasn't a good shepherd in the eyes of Jesus. The hired hand in Jesus's example here has only a few motives. They're mainly around self-interest and personal gain. And when trouble comes, he just abandons the sheep to protect himself. In contrast, the good shepherd, his motive is always to care for the sheep because the sheep are his. He knows the sheep. He, he loves the sheep. They're valuable to him. And when trouble comes, he's prepared to even lay down his life for them. And when Jesus' listeners heard about sheep and shepherds, they would probably also be reminded of, of Psalm 23. Uh, Psalms were prayers set to song back in Jesus' day, often used extensively in worship and around the temple. And Psalm 23, 1 to 3 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And you may have heard these words from Psalm 23 before. Psalm 23 is often read or sung at a funeral to comfort those who mourn. But when David wrote this psalm, he wasn't thinking about the end of his life. He was thinking about and describing someone who he saw as leading his life. And the psalm that we just read from, and the metaphor of sheep and shepherds, is really all about leadership and followership. So the question we're going to try and look at today is, who do we want to lead our lives? Who do we want to follow? Who do we trust ourselves to? And what should the character of that person be like? What should their motives uh, and, their, and, their, and their character be like if we trust ourselves to follow them? I think we'd all agree that leadership in our modern culture seems very broken. We seem to be surrounded by leaders who act like the hired hand in Jesus' story. Rather than acting in the interest of the people, a lot of leaders act in their own self-interest. They're, 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 they're inconsistent. They tend to focus on their own needs. And a lot of them seem to be very uncaring. And equally, when trouble comes, often we find leadership sort of abandons its post and sort of leaves the weak and the vulnerable rather than the protecting them, like the good shepherd in Jesus' story. 
And these type of leaders can also attract similar leaders who've got similar ambitions and similar motives, and we can, have, we can soon develop a, a toxic leadership culture. And hired hand leaders, as I could describe them today, tend to attract susceptible followers. They, they, people want to be led, and, and a hired hand type leader will create what we could call coercive environments where people who are susceptible will respond to their leadership. They might, um, these hired hand leaders might exaggerate perceived threats. They might create and exaggerate differences between people groups. They create a coercive environment which susceptible people can respond to. And so they manufacture a kind of consent, mostly through fear, mostly through sort of preying on the fears that people have. And hired hand leaders, like the leaders in the story, tend to offer and promise security, but with no accountability. And when push comes to shove, often they just abandon their leadership role. And so we can see the effects of toxic leadership, and, and many of us have experienced that and see that in modern culture. And the church isn't exempt from toxic leadership. The prophet Ezekiel spoke out against the leaders of the nation of Israel back around 590 BC. And we can look at his words from the message translation. He says this, God's message came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherd leaders of Israel. Yes, prophesy. Tell these shepherds, God the master says, doom to you shepherds of Israel, feed your own mouths. Sorry, feeding your own mouths. Aren't shepherds supposed to feed sheep? You drink the milk, you make the cloth from the wool, you roast the lambs, but you don't feed the sheep. You don't build up the weak ones. You don't heal the sick. You don't doctor the injured. You don't go after the strays. You don't look for the lost. You bully and you badger them. And now they're scattered every which way because there was no shepherd. Scattered and easy pickings for wolves and coyotes. Scattered, my sheep, exposed and vulnerable across mountains and hills. My sheep scattered all over the world and no one looking out for them. And that's from Ezekiel 34. And so we can see this, this toxic leadership can be prevalent in culture and be prevalent in the church. We can find people occupying positions of leadership just purely for self-interest, not loving the people they're supposed to serve. And so because of this, many people are just disillusioned with leadership full stop. They're disillusioned with leadership in culture and they're disillusioned with leadership in the church. And so they decide to shepherd themselves. They decide to self-lead. And you'll find the walls of bookstores are just full of self-leadership books at this moment in time. And please hear me right. I do love to develop leadership skills. I do. I think it's really important to deepen insight and understanding about leadership. But after living sort of 50 plus years, I've realised... I'm not able to shepherd my own soul. I need someone to do that for me. Self-leadership only goes so far. I need a shepherd and I need to be part of a flock. And I'll look at a few reasons why that's true today. And the first reason I can't shepherd my own soul is that I have blind spots. Back in around 1955, a couple of guys called Joseph Luft and Harry Ingham, they developed a tool to gain better self-awareness and mutual understanding. They called it the Joe Harry window. And here's a picture of it from uh, the diagram they used to explain this. As you look at this diagram, you'll see there's four boxes. There's four different areas they describe them. And the first box with the blue one in is what they call the open area. And these are the parts of us that we are aware of, and we're willing and we choose to show other people. So this is the public face of who you are. This is the open part of you. The second box with the green number two in is what they call the blind area. And these are the parts of us that we're not aware of, but are seen by other people. These are our blind spots, and we'll come back to that in a moment. And the third box with the purple three in is the, what they call the hidden area. 
And these are parts of us that we know about, but we choose not to show other people. We don't want to reveal these hidden parts, so we keep them hidden. And they're described as, as the hidden self. And lastly, the, the fourth box is what they call the unknown area. And these are the parts yet to be discovered by us and by other people. And what Joe and Harry did when they, they did this diagram, they showed there's massive parts of our lives that, that need other people to help us with. We can't just manage all these other parts on our own. It doesn't work just to be an island, just to self-lead or self-manage. How can I lead myself through my blind spots if I can't see them? How can I lead the hidden parts of my life if I'm not prepared to be vulnerable and acknowledge them? And how can I lead myself into the unknown if I've got got no one there to guide me? And Joe and Harry said the only way to grow our open area and to shrink these other three areas is to do what they call feedback solicitation. And that basically means you actively seek others to help speak into your life. You find people who you trust who can speak into your life and help you with these areas that need, that need more, more awareness and openness. And Jesus and his flock, we could describe the church family as Jesus' flock, I trust the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of that flock to speak into my life, to help me with these other areas. They help me with my blind spots. They help me to be more aware of the things I don't see. They help me become more open and vulnerable with the hidden parts of me I'm not so comfortable with. And they help me discover the unknown potential in me that God will reveal as I journey forward. And so that first point, I I need someone to help me manage these things I can't manage myself. The second reason I can't shepherd my own soul is because my heart is deceitful. The prophet Jeremiah said this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And Jeremiah was was never one to hold back on his language. But what he was describing there, and we have a modern term for what Jeremiah is describing uh, many, many years ago. We call it cognitive bias. And this diagram shows some of the common causes of cognitive bias. So let's look at some of these common causes. This diagram talks about things like we have individual motivations. We have social pressure. We have mental shortcuts. We have our emotions We have limits on our mind's attention. All these things come together to kind of form a subjective reality. We think we're free to make informed, logical decisions, but all of us have these subliminal cues going on in the background of our minds. They form a sort of invisible web, uh, which which we call cognitive bias. Now, you might think you're the odd one out. You might think, actually, I don't have any of those. Um, I'm, I'm different. I've got this purely sort of clear window I look through. So I thought I'd give you a little checklist today. So maybe some of these things you could think about to see whether you do them. So the first one, you only pay attention to news stories that confirm your opinions. You blame outside factors when things don't go your way. Or perhaps you attribute other people's success to luck, but you take personal credit for your own accomplishments. Or perhaps you assume that everyone else shares your opinions or your beliefs. Or you might be someone who learns a little bit about a topic and assumes you know all there is to know about it. And these are just some indicators that you, you have that cognitive bias in play. And the truth is we all develop mental shortcuts. They're called heuristics, and they help us to think and act quickly. They're really helpful in most of life. But they can also create patterns in our thinking that can be untrue, addictive, and destructive. And so if I'm left to my own devices, if I'm left to my own thinking, I can become slave to my own bias. Jesus, in contrast, promised to lead us into all truth. He created a diverse community called the church family to to put us into, to make us part of. 
And when we choose to follow him, we become part of that diverse family. And through prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit and reading our Bibles and living in community together, it, it helps turn our lives outwards, not inwards to our own biases and, and shortcomings. And that really helps in terms of shepherding our soul. The third reason I want to say today I can't shepherd my own soul is I need saving from myself. Jesus tells he lays down his life for the sheep. He says this, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Jesus tells us he's prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice for the sheep. He's prepared to give his own life. We have to remember that Jesus isn't a failed first century revolutionary. He didn't just sort of someone who failed and the Romans caught up with him and killed him on a cross. Jesus, we believe, is God in human flesh. If I need someone to save me, I need two key things. The first thing I need is I need someone who cares enough to want to come and save me. And secondly, I need somebody with the power to be able to do it. And Jesus has both these things. He loves us enough and he has the authority to lay down his life for our lives, for our behalf. And he has the authority, he says, to take it up again. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Galatia, he says this, he says, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. And the word rescue here just means and implies we're helpless, we're lost, we need a rescue. Paul tells us it's impossible to really acknowledge and follow Jesus without acknowledging that we need rescuing we need saving and Jesus begins by rescuing us because that's our greatest need and there's nothing we can do to rescue ourselves he says when the hired when the wolf comes the hired hand runs away he says we're like defenseless sheep out in the open field but Jesus is the good shepherd who comes and lays down his life for the sheep and this is the essence of what the gospel is all about we don't like to think that we need saving. It offends us to think that we need somebody or something else to help us. We'd much rather be our own saviours. We'd much rather manufacture our own glory. We love the thought of self-salvation. We find it really attractive. And our culture is full of messages of self-salvation, do all sorts of things, and you will be saved, you will be better. But as we ask ourselves the question today, can we really save our own souls? Can we really shepherd our own souls? Think for a moment, if you just let all your unfettered desires lead you, where would you end up? If you let the blind and the unknown and the hidden parts of you, all those bits of you that aren't seen necessarily, if you just let all those things and desires lead you, where would they take you? Where would you end up? I know if I hadn't let Jesus lead me, I'd be in a very different place and probably a very dark place today. I wouldn't have found the freedom, I wouldn't have found the hope and the purpose and the community that's present within the church. I know I wouldn't have experienced the love that I experience today. I wouldn't have experienced any of those things if I tried to lead and shepherd my own soul. So I want to finish today by asking you the question, who are you following? Who are you following? Are you being led by culture? Are you being led by religion? Are you being led by yourself or are you being led by Jesus? Maybe you just find yourself suspicious of all forms of leadership today. You just don't know who you can trust. Jesus described himself not just as a shepherd, but as a good shepherd. 
And if Jesus was and really is God, and he describes himself as good, then he truly is good. He truly can be trusted. He truly can be followed. He's not the self-serving hired hand who will just flip and betray us. He's the one who loves us so much, he's prepared to lay down his own life for us. And he did this because he wants to draw us into a relationship. He wants to know us and be with us and experience us. After describing himself as a good shepherd, Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there should be one flock and one shepherd. His desire is to gather and reconcile everyone back to a loving Heavenly Father. So we can live in his love. We can live in that security, that metaphor of sheep and shepherds promised to us. He's calling to all of us today. And his promise is that you and I will be able to hear his voice and we'll be able to respond to that voice. I recognized many years ago that I needed Jesus in my life. I needed someone to lead my soul. I needed to be part of a family. So maybe today you've come to that same conclusion. I want to encourage you today that Jesus has a heart for you. Jesus has a promise for you. And Jesus has power for you. And that's what these verses in John 10 tell us today. Jesus promises a very different leadership to the one you'll see in culture, to the one you'll see in religion, and to the one even you'll find within yourself. He's a loving leader who serves and sacrifices, who loves and leads. He's the person who really is good, and we can trust our lives to him. So why don't we pray together? I just want to encourage you today, just maybe to close your eyes wherever you are, and let's just pray and open our hearts and our minds to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for these powerful words and these wonderful metaphors that you use to try and describe your heart to us. You are the good shepherd. You, you love the sheep. You have every aspect of care for the sheep in your heart. And Lord, we know that not one of us today who is watching or listening is outside of that love. So God, I pray that we'd be able to open our hearts to you. We'd be able to respond to your voice. You promised that we could hear your voice and we could respond to you. So God, as you're speaking to each one of us today, just cut through the clutter and open our hearts. And God, if we've been betrayed by leadership in the past, if we've been hurt by leadership or been damaged or let down, betrayed, Jesus, I just pray that, just that your healing will come to us today and we'd open ourselves, be led by you afresh. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. So thank you for joining us today, guys. God bless you. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.